This podcast is for your entertainment only and is not the place to find professional medical advice. Hey guys, Jamie here. This week I'm speaking with Jess from House of Spoons. We talk about all things spoony parenting, her pet peeve, accounts she suggests and more. I'm so excited to share this podcast with you guys. Stay tuned. Hey guys, I'm here with Jess Hoyson from House of Spoons on Instagram. We met over Instagram. So excited to be chatting with her today about spoony parenting and the, the life as a spoony parent. How are you, Jess? I'm doing really good. Thank you so much for having me. I've been really looking forward to this and I'm excited to talk. Yeah, I've been looking forward to this as well because honestly, I was, as I was saying, like I feel like we could be friends. <laughs> I'm like, any chance I get to talk with Jess, like, I'm so down. Talking about, like, our first conversation, we went straight into, yeah, I'm dealing with this trauma, and it's affecting me this way. <laughs> I know. I love it. How's your week been? My week's been pretty up and down. For symptom-wise, I'm doing pretty good. Um, I've started a new dose on a medication, and it's turned out that like less than 1% of people get super hungry <laughs> as a side effect um, to the biologic I'm taking. So that's been kind of concerning. Um, but otherwise, I've been doing good with spoon wise, like I'm, I have a lot of energy this week, which is really that's nice great. and refreshing. Yeah, um, we've definitely been just connecting in the community. Um, one of our uh, Spoonies, we've been really amping up. He just did a half marathon. Um, no he's way. an AS warrior as well. And that was a big goal of his. So I've just been really trying to connect and have those like positive connections. And you're one of them. Um, but of course, with mm-hmm. that comes like negative things, especially in the social media world. Um, definitely, I've seen this quite often since I have joined like as a, a Spoonie account. Um, a lot of like really what I feel is like unethical and not very genuine um, sales tactics upon Mm. the Spoonie community, Um, really pushing like the wellness and health. And I think anyone who's a Spoonie kind of understands how just how difficult it is to have that anxiety about the foods that you're t- you're eating or the medications yeah. or the supplements or you know oh I did this wrong or I shouldn't be taking this or you know there's a lot that comes with just the personal um concoctions that we have to take each day and you know the lifestyle that we live and I've been approached by a few people who've you know really wanted to push this supplement or this you know this is how you have to do it yeah. and it's, it's a scary place when you get into that kind of stuff because some people are very desperate and very susceptible to, um, you know, they're really susceptible to trying anything that they can to feel better. Yeah, it's true. And it's also kind of frustrating because like, you know, this whole Instagram, spooning Instagram thing is, this community is quite new. Like it's, I mean, from my perspective, it's only been around for like a year, maybe even two years but really has grown in the last year I think especially due to COVID and it's like we're trying to build something positive as Spoonies right we're trying to put a positive message we're trying to support each other and then you get kind of people coming in and trying to take advantage of that and it's 
it's really frustrating because it's like stay out of our space we're this is a positive message and that's it right and if we have people who are just coming and saying hey do you want to buy this product i much i have a lot more respect for that even though i still don't think it's right than for someone who kind of tries to build that genuine relationship but it ends up just being um like you're giving over your personal information and your vulnerability as a weapon for them to, you know, then really leech in and have the sales tactics. Um, And that's, yeah, it's, that's not why I'm here. That's anyone that I know and connect with. That's not why they're here. They're here to share their struggles and their triumphs and, you know, make that connection. Yeah, exactly. I think, I don't know what the answer is. I think it's just being maybe firm with those people that are trying to sell stuff and say like, look, if you want to sell me something, buy for an ad, buy an ad on Instagram. Cause like, honestly, I, I mind that less than people sliding into my DMS. Cause like, I don't, if it's a good product, like I'm not opposed to it, but it's that, um, that almost false being falsely genuine and being like, Oh, um, yeah, I'm sorry. That's been happening. I, haven't experienced that as much with um chronic cult but i know a lot of people in the community that have and we also try to be really careful about how we're approaching the community because like i think i've probably made mistakes in that respect as well because i'm like oh like check out this song that we just released and it's from a heart of like i want to support the community but you do have to be careful and i'm learning that as well yeah and i think there's definitely a balance there i mean we all need to you know definitely make a living. We all need to promote what we feel is really important. I just think that, you know, when you're promoting maybe a song that you poured your heart into, if someone doesn't love it or doesn't want to like check it out, that's one thing. But when you're asking someone to spend money, to join them, to this is going to be what gets you off your medications, like those are very toxic, scary places to be. Like I said, especially for people who are super vulnerable and you know, are really at their end and don't know where to turn. It can be, yeah, a really slippery slope. But I make sure to reply to them and I let them know, all of my doctors that I see, um, I let them know that, you know, I consult with them quite regularly. um, And I just let them know I'm really not interested and I really don't appreciate using my, you know, the hashtags or however they're coming in because I will screenshot and put it on my stories I don't know if that's right or wrong to do but I do to let the rest of the people in the community know and you would be shocked about how many messages I get saying that person messaged me within the last week as well so it's definitely focusing in on that um that group of people yeah for sure well look I think you honestly I think just spreading awareness around that is a is a, a good thing honestly and good on you and honestly you're doing great things for the community I've like yeah just I have such good feedback for you I've seen other people that have such good feedback and I think you'll go far like whatever you end up doing I think we've talked about this I just yeah I'm just excited to see what where this takes you switching gears a little bit uh next segment that we like to go into is talking about your pet peeve so can you tell us what your pet peeve is (laughs) Well, besides the unsolicited medical advice from strangers on the internet, (laughs) um, (laughs) I have been thinking about this for a while now. And I, there was another, 
um, interview that you did with someone and you mentioned like, oh, when you say pet peeve, it pops into your head right away. And that's so true because mine is when I get the burn signal on my Instant Pot. Instapot? Instapot? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> However you say it. When it, <laughs> sometimes I'll try, like when I first got it, I would try to make like, um, like a full meal in the Instant Pot. So like with the rice and your veggies and whatever, like you put your chicken breast and for whatever reason, I have messed up somehow and it says burn. And when it says that, it, it doesn't come to full pressure. It doesn't cook your food. It's stuck to the bottom and pretty much everything in there is like totally garbage. Uh, and when I see the burn sing, like I go, I see red. I just, really? I flip out. <laughs> so now I pretty much only use it for like straight chicken because I just can't risk that kind of like. <laughs> that that kind of stress and anger. Yeah. It's like, it's like your biggest trigger. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, it scares me how like upset it makes me because it's not that <laughs> big of a deal. <laughs> this is what I love though about pet peeves or love or hate is like, it doesn't always make sense. That's, that's the point. And for those of you that don't know what an instant pot is, it's like this, um, it's kind of like a rice cooker, pressure cooker, like Jess said, and there's specific recipes and, and so it's actually meant to be like this. Oh, you can cook anything in it. Like, cook this and then and that's why it's kind of funny that you're like oh I can only cook chicken because I get so stressed out if anything gets burned it's you know and I really I've thought about it it's happened a few times and I was like is it that I'm wasting food is it that I'm not going to be able to eat on time like what makes me so enraged I don't know I'll have to do some like some deep like, inner work have to go to therapy for that one yeah be like see your counselor I get triggered yeah. by the instant pot. <laughs> I feel that. <laughs> I Sorry, I laughed so hard when you said that. The burn, because I just wasn't expecting that. <laughs> okay, so, the, but this is like, but this is like, I guess goes into our topic for the day, which is like being a spoony parent, because like, these are the types of things that happen. Like you get triggered or things happen and it's like you respond in certain ways that you I have no idea I have no idea where this is coming from your kids do certain things that kind of trigger you yeah definitely um if we're trying to get out the door generally where they're allowed and like where they're baby gated in is like our huge dining room and our living room and it's like a huge area I'm in it right now I'm in a part of it and so they don't get to they're only two and three so they don't get to spend a lot of time like in our kitchen or you know roaming the house by themselves so when it's time to like go outside or we have to go somewhere or get in the car the trip from the living room to the front door it's like Let's see how much we can touch. Let's see how many drawers we can pull open, like how much we can knock <laughs> over. It's, it, it, yeah, I get very triggered by that. I'm like, please just stop. Just don't touch. <laughs> Let's just go. Um, but like back to what you said about the Instant Pot, I really think that for, I think maybe in general for parents, but definitely if you're a spoony parent, you only have so much energy per day. And yeah. I really have my day very structured around um, routine. I know how long things are going to take. We generally stick to those things. Um, 
And yeah, so for a meal to be off by an hour, that means that now I need to find a resource to find something else that we're having for dinner. I'm going to have two kids who are having a meltdown and that's a lot of energy to, to deal with um, when you're not feeding hungry toddlers. So yeah, there's definitely things as a spoony parent that um, I really do implement to make my life easier. So sometimes when those go off track, it just throws the whole day. And sometimes I wonder if that's healthy, but that's just how we do it. Well, it sounds like you're really structured. And, you know, there's, I mean, I'm not a parent, so I don't know much about that, but I have heard like some people like don't structure and some people are like structure, but I think at the same time, it's also depends on the family, what works for the family. Do you think your kids have adapted to or have some, I mean, they're quite young, right? But do you think they have some understanding that you only have a limited amount of capacity and that because of that, you've put certain things in place? Yeah, definitely. I mean, for the most part, our wake up time, meal times, nap time and bedtime are all the exact same every day. So in that aspect, I don't think they even know that they have leeway, that they can decide that they want to stay up later or they don't want to go to bed. They're just so used to it. We implemented that from day one so that we don't really ever have to struggle with. But as for as far as them like understanding what my limitations are, um, I'm very open with my children in the most age-appropriate way about the fact yeah. that I do have a lot of pain in my body, that I'm, I get very tired. Um, and I think it's just something naturally that that when it's when they understand from the day that they're born, it's just not anything that they have to question. Um, an example is today um, when my son was going down for his nap. I said this afternoon we'll play in the backyard and we'll play dragons. He likes when we run after him and and we're a dragon. So I said we will do that, but you have to take your nap. And so then when the time came, I was really in a lot of pain, but I had promised him and I knew he was looking forward to it. So we played dragons for, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes maybe. And then I went and sat down and he said, come on, chase me, mom. And I had to say, honey, I'm in a lot of pain and I can't play dragons anymore, but maybe later. And he just looked at me and said, okay, and turned and walked away. I think that he definitely gets it maybe not like fully he doesn't really understand like the you, you know the reason or that I have a disease or what a disease but he does oh did I cut out yeah you cut out um yeah so can you say can you start from I think he does and you said something like I think I was saying sorry it's just for the sake of editing as well I think he does understand that okay um did you I'm just gonna we can like cut after this but did you get the part about the empathy I think that's where I was heading no no we didn't get that part okay So I think he understands that there's something wrong with me and that I'm in a lot of pain. I think he understands the empathy part of it. I just don't think he understands the whys behind it. Um, But I definitely, he's, he's my older one. So he definitely gets a little bit more. My daughter just sort of tags along and does whatever he does. Um, So that kind of makes it a little easier too. Yeah. 
I mean, I, I often wonder how much um, kids pick up, you know what I mean? And how, like, if they understand, if there's a subconscious understanding of your limitation and it's like, okay, well, I'm going to adjust to that. Um, I don't know if, like, that's, I don't know if we can know, to be honest, but it sounds like your kids are like really well behaved and that you put a lot of structure around that, which is awesome. How do you manage, um, I guess when you, cause it, I guess what I'm getting at is you mentioned that you promised your son to play dragons, right? And, but then you were in a lot of pain. And so I'm sure my guess is there's sometimes when you are actually like, I'm in so much pain, I can't. And then there's sometimes where you kind of push through and you're like, well, I did promise that. How do you, what's the balance? How do you manage that? Um, Because it's obviously very hard. It's not that you don't want to, it's that you physically are limited. So how do you manage that? So definitely there's two parts to that. One is that more so with my um, my son who's older, I'm really understanding how much he listens and um, takes those promises in. So for me, I just, I really try to not make those promises because, you know, for the most part, I can't predict what's going to happen. I can't predict if it's going to rain. I can't predict if something's going to come up or if I'm going to be really sick. I generally try to stay away from those types of promises that are more than 10 or 15 minutes away. Um, just because if I yeah. say no, that's a bigger battle down the road. And he's really getting to the age where he's, <laughs> if you say something, he's taking your word for it. Yeah. Um, and then the second part is I just really evaluate where I'm at. If it's a weekday, how much time I have left in the day with them by myself. Um, and with our days being broken up, both of them still nap for between like an hour and a half to sometimes three hours. Um, that really helps me have downtime. So if it is something in the morning that they want to do, I know that at least, you know, in the afternoon, I'll have a little bit of a break. Or if it's, you know, at two o'clock in the afternoon, my husband's usually home by four. So that's try like how I try to manage throughout the day if they're asking for something. But there are times for sure where I just have to say, I'm sorry, we can't, we just, I'm in so much pain, I need to lay down. And I think we really, you know, I don't think kids have to say things the way that adults do when we see somebody in pain, we want to either fix them or we want to comfort them or give them, yeah. you know, we say nice things to them. Whereas children, when they see that and they can really see, see it and feel it, they just no, I've had lots of times where I've just had to take my heating pad and lay on the floor in their playroom or whatever it is. And they just do their own thing. They will mimic me and say that their back hurts and they need to lay down. Um, but yeah, when it comes down to those moments where like, I cannot move and I'm really struggling, I don't have to say too much. It's they sense it, I think. Yeah. And in those moments, do you ask for help from either the people around you or even them to maybe go get you something? Like, what's that look like for you to ask for help as a spoony parent? For us, we have a little bit of a unique situation, whereas we're a military family. So we're about five or six hours away from our um, immediate family. And, 
you know, we are in a community that's full of people who are coming and going a lot. I do have people that I can call when 100% who are there to help me out. Um, but generally everyone else has families and toddlers and school and work. Yeah. And, you know, for the most part, I rely a lot on my husband's help. Um, so if I really need him, he's able to come home. The military is pretty flexible. Um, with things like that. Um, we don't have very many outside resources, but that is why for me, it's so important to structure our days very routinely. Yeah. And, you know, it's not like every minute is laid out, but um, be, so we have predictability and it just makes it easier for them. So I'm not having, you know, five or 10 meltdowns throughout the day to have to manage when you have that predictability. Um, but oftentimes, um, when my husband comes home, if I've had a rough day, I just, you know, I communicate that to him and say, I need to go and take a break and lay down. Um, and he, he's, he's definitely my, my number one support. And as for like the children helping me with things, um, for sure, like they can, you know, do, they don't really, they can't do too much, but they'll get yeah. me a blanket or a pillow. They'll try to do those types of things. Um, right now I have them both picking up all of their toys when they're done with them, when they're done, you know, playing in the living room. Um, they'll put the, the couch pillows back on the couch and put away their blankets, things like that, that, you know, no, it's not a make it or break it right now, but I'm hoping just the idea that we all have to help each other out um, will be, you know, useful in the future when they're old enough to really help. <laughs> yeah. There's, I guess there's so much around that because one thing is the whole idea of structure. It sounds like it's very beneficial for them, but not only for them, but also for you. Because one of the things I experienced when I had chronic fatigue is putting structure on around my day. It was like my body knew when I was going to rest, when I was going to do exercise or stretches or whatever you want to call that, when I was going to eat, etc. And if I deviated from that structure, there was my body couldn't cope very well. So it sounds like it was, I mean, from my guesses, it was probably good for your, for, it's good for you as well, because your body can kind of plan based on that. Yeah, for sure. And, and definitely with, you know, even meal planning and eating and times of eating, like, we just have a very good structure. So, you know, not that I struggle with, um, like blood sugar, or anything like that but it's just nice when you know okay in the morning at this time I have this amount of time for my coffee and to have breakfast with the kids then I know I'm going to be eating again in two hours like all of that is yeah definitely much easier on your body and it's almost like yeah. when my husband gets home I know that it's time if I need to I can rest and that's how I sort of know when I'm having a really good day is when I just keep playing with the kids and then I chat with my husband and I'm not like you know just disappearing off to rest it definitely the routine helps me a lot yeah and I think as well I guess what's interesting is I'm not a parent but I've noticed that like recently um someone that I follow on Instagram got an injury and sort of she posted on her Instagram that she couldn't do all of this stuff and realized that her husband and her kids were way more capable of doing things than than she thought or than than um, they actually did. And I think sometimes we don't give kids enough credit for how independent, how self-sufficient they can be. For your kids at their age, you said they're two and three, is that what you said? 
Yeah. For a two and three year old to be picking up their toys, putting back the pillows, like that's pretty good. And I don't know if we often train our two and three year olds to to do that, but I think it just goes to show you that children can actually be quite independent. And even me, when I was a kid, I was the youngest of five kids and my mom taught us all to be very independent. I was doing my own laundry, I think at like 10 or 11. Because I, I was capable. Like, it's not that hard. You put it in the washer and then you put it in the dryer. So, and this is something that I see sort of in like the, not even just the Spoonie world, but just like the mom world, um, just feeling so burned out and so, you know, used up all of the time and so stressed out because you're right. We don't give the other people in our household enough responsibility or you know it's just easier to do it yourself and yeah definitely sometimes when it takes my kids 15 minutes to pick up a few toys it's frustrating but I know that that's a skill that I'm giving to them that I'm hoping will be beneficial to them and to me in the future um and I just don't have time to be doing it for everybody um you know with even having two kids very close in age um we have one who's, you know, pretty well potty trained for the most part. And, but, you know, looking back six months ago, I was changing up to 12 diapers a day. It's a, wow. it's a lot. It's very taxing on your body. Like you have to, you know, outsource the help and, you know, how I see it and my husband sees it, like we're a family and yes, I may have more restrictions that, you know, than the rest of them, but we're definitely all capable and we all have to pitch in. Because they are capable, even at two and three years old. We just, yeah. we put these limitations on on kids and even on ourselves sometimes with things we can and can't do. Yeah. And even I think what you what you were saying earlier about the empathy component and I, you know, I think, again, kids are smarter than they think we are. And what I love about what you're saying is like, you do tell your children, like, I'm in pain. I'm this, this is how I'm feeling. Because I still love you. I still want to be there, but I actually can't. And I think subconsciously kids understand that is that there's this underlying, like, I value you. I love you. Just because I have limitations doesn't mean that at the core of it, you're not my child and that like, you're like one of the most important things in my life. And yeah, I don't, but I'm not a psychologist, but that's what I would. I, I think that's, I think that's it exactly. I think that giving them something tangible to understand instead of saying no all the time, like, no, I don't want to play with you or no, I can't play with you to give them that reason. And that's an understanding. Again, I don't know, because this is my first time around doing it, but I'm hoping that like what you said, that that does give them, you know, a little bit more to hold on to than just like my mom never wanted to play with me they can hopefully, you know, my fingers are so crossed that they're not in therapy in 20 years, but that they will say, my mom loved me very much. And she played with me when she could, but she was in a lot of pain. That's my hope. We can check back in 20 years and and (laughs) we can see how big the therapy bill is. (laughs) Honestly, I think we all need therapy. It's just like minimizing how much we need, right? (laughs) Yeah. Like my goal in the future is that my kids don't need a lot of therapy, but they probably will still need therapy. Right. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And along with that, like, yeah, exactly. So along with that, 
there's this whole idea of, okay, you have limitations. You can't do that, do certain things with them when obviously you want to. How do you manage, like, does, is there guilt that comes along with that? Is there um, disappointment, sadness, et cetera? How do you manage that? Yeah, there is definitely, you know, and I don't, again, I don't think that's specific to being a spoony mom with limitations. I know that is a world, like a, a universal thing for moms, but when it comes to the spoony aspect and me not being able to do certain things that my peers are doing with their children, it really weighs on heavy on me most days. Um, the narrative I'm trying to build up in my mind is sort of what we've just talked about. The fact that I'm hopefully providing them with independence and understanding and not just of me, but of people who have disabilities, people who, you know, aren't capable, people who look a little bit different. I'm hoping that they will just be empathetic um, towards, you know, people with disabilities. I do my injections in front of them. I try not to hide it. I just try to normalize so that if there's a kid in their grade one class who needs insulin injections, or, you know, if yeah. they have a kid who's allergic to peanuts and needs an EpiPen that they will not think twice about it. It'll just be normal for them. Um, so those are some things that I try to tell myself, you know, the compassion part of it. And on the flip side as well, the things like this, like this podcast that I'm doing, hopefully will exist when they're teenagers and they can look back and see what I was trying to do for them and what I was trying to do for other moms who are in this space mm. um it's it's really a battle of your mind back and forth because there's days that I think about you know my arthritis and when they are of age to be playing hockey or skating or doing those things am I going to be able to sit in you know a hockey arena for all weekend in the freezing cold with my condition will I have to say no to that you know I I think about the future yeah. a lot um, and those are things that really bother me. I definitely think the biggest thing I feel guilt around is when I have very low patience from either being super fatigued or in a lot of pain. And also just having two toddlers is just, you know, tiring and, you know, yeah. it wears you out on itself. Um, but when I, when I have less patience with them and, you know, if I raise my voice or if I'm just snappy with them, that I think really is what gets me because they didn't ask for a parent who had chronic pain. Um, but I, I really try again with the communication and being open when I put them down for the night and say goodnight to them. If I have yelled at them or if I have done something that I shouldn't have done, um, I voice that to them. And my three-year-old has no problem telling me that I hurt his feelings and he didn't like it. And <laughs> And it's really difficult, but I'm just hoping that, you know, each day I try brand new and he will see that I'm being a human and apologizing to him when I've done wrong. And maybe that'll just be another lesson that he, he takes with him. I hope, or again, he'll be in therapy forever. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Like I, there's, it's just so hard with, I think, knowing how certain things affect, affect kids. I can only think of, of my life and, you know, it wasn't the experiences that necessarily 
shaped my life more being able to go to the aquatic park or on these great holidays or whatever it was the underlying I guess messages that I got of like love and acceptance and that sort of thing like I think the fact that you allow your kids to express their feelings is massive because I think from what I've observed so many parents um especially maybe even in previous generations kind of push back feelings but it's like they're so bad you need to even as adults like I'm dealing with my inner child through counseling and my all my inner child wants me to do is acknowledge how they're feeling and that's and it's that simple (laughs) so um I don't know I think you're doing great (laughs) Thank you. If that's any <laughs> indication. <laughs> no. It's really, I, I, I think you're right. I think just the, you know, the love that you feel and the overall, um, like, feeling you get from your parents definitely is what shapes you and the things that you think back upon. And also, yeah, 100% being heard and having your, your feelings heard and validated um, definitely you know, we're coming into a new generation of parents who it is important to hear what your kids have to say. And it's important to try. Now, it doesn't mean I go around every time that they cry. and I'm like, Oh, honey, like, I'm so sad that you're sad. Please tell me why you're sad. Like, I don't always have the patience for that. And I don't always do that. But when I can collect myself in a moment of like, you know, bedtime, or, you know, in the morning, we often will sit and watch some TV together on the couch. Yeah. I will I have my coffee like those times I really try try and have that conversation but in the midst of it sometimes they're crying and I'm just like oh I can't deal with you right now <laughs> but I'm, uh, I'm doing my best <laughs> yeah of course like there's definitely a balance there <laughs> yeah <laughs> um how um what kind of advice would you give I guess we've kind of talked about this a little bit already but Look, I I think the emotions that you feel as a Spoonie parent are so real. And I haven't been a Spoonie parent, but I've been a Spoonie. And there's already on that level so much guilt, shame, et cetera, et cetera. And I can't imagine then adding that layer of parenting on it. How did, like, what advice would you give? And how, I guess, how do you continue to kind of change that narrative in your own mind? I think, you know, for me, I don't have anyone in my life who suffers from chronic pain or illness the way that I do. Um, not openly anyways, maybe that there, there is, um, but they don't share and that's everyone's prerogative. For me, not being able to connect with somebody in my life is the reason that I came to Instagram and I joined this community is to find somebody who could yeah. relate to me who could share those feelings with me. Um, and initially it was for my own self at the beginning um, to find how other people were dealing with their illnesses and those feelings personally. And then I really saw this huge community of moms who are also struggling. So I think my advice would be to find somebody who you can mirror yourself back in. Um, those yeah. are people who can truly sit and and give you that advice and that feedback 
you know, I've talked to quite a few Spoonie moms who have children who are either in their very late teens or, you know, even adult children. And, you know, they can reflect on, to me, the importance of teaching them to be independent and showing them how much you love them and all those things. And that it's okay that they turn out to be great kids. I think finding that community in whatever way that is, yeah, I think that is really what people need, whether you're a Spoonie, you know, whether you've lost somebody, whether you like to dye your hair crazy colors, like there's everyone searching for community for the things that they love or the things that impact their lives a lot. And I think that's really what has helped me change my narrative and talking to people, sometimes who aren't even Spoonie parents, people like you who just say really nice things to you and can validate you and see you and know your struggle. Um, that has been just, you know, a, a big confidence booster. And, you know, I, I think there's a certain amount that's on the line when you're a Spoonie and you just realize how joyful life can be and how miserable life can be. And it just really yeah. like our first conversation, you just really are looking for those connections. You're not looking to waste time and chit chat and, you know, you want those deep connections. You want to be heard. So finding community is, I think, just absolutely important. Yeah, I'm actually just getting emotional as you're talking because it's something that I lacked when I had chronic fatigue syndrome was that community and I'm I'm finally getting it now and it's just, it's so beautiful. <laughs> to be able to share these really, moments and it's like that immediate connection of we have an understanding that there's so many things that are unimportant <laughs> and we're able to just yeah. connect on the important things you know because it's like you only have so many spoons in a day so there's literally no point in talking about the weather because exactly <laughs> you know and I love that and the whole idea of community and that's what we're trying to build at chronic hope is this community what's what you're trying to build it's it's spreading the message of you're not alone you're you're you don't have to feel that guilt you don't have to feel that shame because in in spite of your illness you're a whole person and you're just as valuable as as someone that's able and I love that and exactly I love that we've connected in that way because of this community. And so actually along those lines, you mentioned that there's some accounts that, and people that you follow, like um, can maybe you share those with us and we can put that in show notes as well. And yeah, for sure. Uh, so the first that I spoke about earlier on, um, he's a fellow AS um, warrior and he just commit um, finished a half marathon and oh, wow. he is, just an amazing account to follow for, you know, inspiration and changing that narrative in your mind. And he's Motive Max on Instagram. Um, him and I are actually going to do a live on Monday. So I don't know what this probably won't be up by then. Um, oh, but yeah, we're hoping we'll... to do it on like, oh, okay. So yeah, it's yeah, going up I don't on know Monday. What time we're doing it on Monday. Okay, awesome. Um, and yeah, so him and I are going to do a live. We're hoping that it'll be like a maybe like a every other week type thing. Um, but he's been incredible, just a really incredible resource. He's been struggling with AS for quite some time. So anyone who does have AS, um, he's just a good resource. But even if you're just a completely healthy person, what he's accomplished is really amazing. Yeah. Um, and it's so funny to speak so 
you know, so passionately about people you don't even know. And I think that is the thing that makes this community so special. Yeah. Um, another is uh, a Canadian mom um, of two. She has just been so inspirational to me and really has, you know, spoken about being a mother with disability and actually even being able to say that she's a mom with disability and using those words and that language um, yeah. and really bringing that to the forefront. I think that's so amazing because a lot of people struggle with being able to identify. Um, and so that's Bump and Hustle on Instagram. She's incredible. Okay. Um, she's got wonderful posts. I believe she has a podcast. Um, I think she has a blog as well. She's been really inspirational. Um, yeah, those those two people That's are awesome. really pushing me. And, you know, you think they're strangers on the internet, but, you know, sometimes those are great connections yeah, to have. Totally. Yeah. And is are there any other recommendations you might have in terms of like books, podcasts, music, um, blogs for people that are kind of new to this Spoonie parenting space? Yeah, so I haven't actually dived too much into the actual like parenting aspect and I haven't found too much content sort of like what you said in the beginning that isn't really focused around being a Spoonie parent. That's something that yeah. I'm hoping to, you know, move forward a little bit with myself. Um, but as for anyone who's new to the community, um, Jason, with the Ankylosing Spondylitis podcast, uh, even if you don't suffer from ankylosing spondylitis, he has a lot of really good resources um, in his podcast that are very simple, easy to understand. He has a very lovely voice to listen to as well. Um, he was one of the first, you know, resources that I connected with. And yeah, he's made a big difference. Um, for any other types of resources, I'm in Canada. So the Arthritis Society has been a really great one. Um, the Canadian Arthritis Patient Alliance is another one. They have an amazing um, email newsletter. I'm not quite sure how frequently it comes out, but they have anything from um, webinars to, you know, filling out disability forms to um, webinars about, you know, arthritis. They have a lot of really good resources. Um, and then there's websites like ankylosingspondylitis.net um, and axial spondylitis.net. Um, those are okay. two advocate-run um, forums. And so there's a lot of just very um, informal articles about people's experiences, their struggles, um, just by advocates like you and I. Um, so those have been really, yeah, really great resources that I have found. Okay. Great. Awesome. Thanks for sharing. We'll put all of the, that in the show notes so that people can reference them. Yeah. And um, I love what you're doing as well about the Spoonie parenting. Cause again, myself, I haven't seen a lot around it, um, but it's such a massive thing. Like there's so many parents out there that have health issues. I mean, whether it be dietary or energy or anything and there's stigma around it. I mean, yeah. parenting in itself is, is, is a hard thing. And everyone's going to tell you that you should do it this way or that way and et cetera, et cetera. And I'm not a parent, but I've seen from the outside kind of how, how the community can kind of be, but um, yeah, I'd love to, I can't wait to see what you start to create in terms of that space and creating a space for people. 
I, I just, I hope that it can evolve and people can find the connection because sort of like what I was saying, um, you know, I, I think people are having a hard time even identifying that they either have a disability or that they are a Spoonie in itself. And without the, the language, you don't really know where to look or who to connect with. So yeah. I'm hoping with like, you know, having people own own that and being able to give yourself a label in this type of way you can have that you know tangible thing to resource and to really find other people to connect with yeah exactly awesome well thanks so much for coming on the podcast it has been a joy to chat with you time flew by um like i just love chatting with you and yeah thanks again and let us know if once you kind of get started with that and we'll do what we can to help you out and support you. Awesome. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. Thanks for listening to the Sound of Hope podcast. If you want access to show notes, go to chronichope.org, where you can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter. And make sure to follow us on our Instagram, at chronic underscore hope. See you next week.